<clears throat> Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this gathering, Lord. We thank you for the gathering of the saints uh, uh, for another Saturday, God. <clears throat> and we sanctify this time. We sanctify this day. We sanctify this gathering, O Lord, and I, in your name, Father, as as the church of God, as the church of the living God, as the temple of the living God, as the house of the living God. Father, I pray that within this atmosphere, God, there would be an atmosphere of reverence. There would be an atmosphere of <clears throat> adoration and worship and glory and power, magnificence and might. Father, I pray that uh, we would not be in the flesh. We would not be apathetic. Father, I pray that our ears would be attentive. Like your word says in Hebrews, let us give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Father, it is my prayer this day that we will not allow your words to fall to the ground. We will not allow them to slip. But we would hold fast to your word. We would retain your word. We would uh, 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 embrace your word, Lord, like David says in our heart, that we may not sin against you. That we would be like Mary and that we would cherish and muse and ponder and and cherish the things that she has heard in, in her heart, Lord, that we would do likewise. Father, I pray that we would not be foolish uh, believers, unbelieving believers that would only uh, listen to your word but not apply it, Lord, that would not live out your word, that we would be not hearers only, and be not doers, Lord, but that we would be doers of the word and, and thereby be blessed in our doing. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would grant the unction and inspiration of the Holy Ghost this day. Father, I, I ask that you would grant wisdom and illumination and knowledge, Father. I pray that you would convict, that you would cut out all flesh, that you would cut to the hearts of your people. Father, I pray that no hardness of heart, nor stubbornness, nor rebellion, Lord, would... Uh, uh, cause your people, Lord, to reject the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would go forth. Hallelujah. As you intend for it to go forth, Lord, cut to the heart. Even now, Lord, eliminate distractions. Father, I pray, Lord, the subduing and the subjection of all false spirits. We magnify you, O Lord. Your spirit is welcome here. Father, out right now, in Jesus' name, I declare that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is brought forth here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is your house. This is your house, God. Father, and I pray that you would rebuke a spirit of apathy and indifference. May we, Father, be uh, zealous zealous for your presence, zealous for your word. May we be boiling hot lest we succumb to lukewarmness, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I just pray that you would grant me the words to speak even now. Grant me the words to speak. <clears throat> In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen, y'all. If you're here, say amen. amen. Say amen or type amen.
I hope that we're doing well. Hope that we're doing great. <coughs> so, if you if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to. Um, if you don't have them, I want you, I want to encourage you to get them and and bring them before you. Um, I'm reading out of the NIV. If you want to read the NIV along with me, just so it flows easier. I encourage you to do that. You don't have to. <coughs> but it's a good idea. And by the way, because let me say this real quickly. Just, just so you know. There's a lot of ignorant people out there that want to claim that the NIV is trash. Um, and a lot of those people who say things like that, they don't, they've never studied the Greek they've never uh, they don't know how uh, translation works they don't even know the difference uh, 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 difference of translation philosophies or and uh, different types of, of translations and, and the reason why I say that uh, is because if you're going to claim something about a translation you should know what you're talking about you should have at least studied these basic things you understand so I don't want you following the bandwagon of the religious ignorance. Does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> um, so uh, it, it's it's not um, accurate. Okay. So um, and this whole idea that the King James Version Bible is the best translation, accurate translation, is also false. I'm not saying that the King, uh, the King James uh, is a corrupt translation. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but the whole claim of the most accurate is not really even a good... It's not even an appropriate claim to make, per se. Because the translation is an art. It's not necessarily a science. So it's not like you can get a percentage on the accuracy of a translation. You know a bad one when you see one. But to say the best, it's like saying, what's the best flavor at Baskin-Robbins? It's like, I don't know. How do you, how do you, how do you judge that? You get what I'm saying? Um, does that make sense? <clears throat> Are we all here? So, um, before we get into the text, I, I want to, um, maybe I'll share this, uh, uh, I'll, I'll share the testimony later. There's this, uh, amazing testimony that I would like to share, but for now, uh, <coughs> we can just get into the text. Remind me if I, if I forget, um, it was a really amazing thing that had taken place. And uh, I would like to, to just give glory to God. Um, amen. <clears throat> so, you know, I want to I want to get into I want to get into something controversial here. Um, if you're coming to you know looking for an an encouraging message this day, um, that's not what this is going to be. Um, this is going to be more of an informative message. <clears throat> okay? Is that alright? 
Um, I want to talk about end times. Um, there's there's a lot of con there's a lot of uh, ignorance today in the body of Christ when it comes to end times. Um, and one of the things that I seek to I want to correct is these false ideas when uh, regarding uh, the so-called last days. Um, before I proceed, I, are, are we all here? I just I want to I want to make sure that uh, we're all on page here. <clears throat> um. So. Let me preface, and the reason why I'm saying this is because, especially for this message, it requires a little more thinking, okay? And you may not be particularly interested in this topic, but you have no right to say, I don't like that topic, so I'm not going to give my attention thereto. Does that make sense? Because all of God's word is God's word. So, um, when it comes to the doctrine of hell, you have no right to say, I don't want to listen to that because it's in the word of God. See, it's these cherry-picking Christians that say, I, I want to listen to this, but I don't want to listen to that. They're the same people whose lives are come to ruin, come to nothing. You know why? Because they're they're selective uh, in what they want and what they want to listen to. So they they're the determining factor of of what the what from God they will listen. So oh no, God, I don't want to listen to that. I, I, God, I, I want to listen to that, but I don't want to listen to that. <clears throat> Does that make sense? It's it's the people that have itching ears that just want to you know. So you you have to have enough integrity to say. Um, I don't need a partial counsel from God. I need the totality of his counsel. I need all of his counsel. And and the people who want the Bible to say what they want it to say, they will reduce the counsel of God to the select passages so they can play origami with the Bible, right? Because they don't like the conclusion that God gives to them. So... Whether, again, whether it's uh, relating to marriage, whether it's relating to ministry, whether it's relating to the doctrine of hell, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, um, it doesn't matter what we're speaking about. Um, we have to embrace all of God's word. What does Jesus say? If you love me, obey me and keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, obey me and keep my commandment. As in singular. Oh, I like this commandment, but I don't like those ones. Does that make sense? This is why Paul wrote to Timothy, and he told him how to conduct the household of God. And he says, hey, here, here the, here's the word of the Lord, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, show no partiality. In other words, don't, don't be partial. I like this, but I don't like that. Does it make sense? You know, for example, I, I've met a lot of, of believers. They love Bible study, 
right? Because they can exercise their fat heads, but they hate prayer. They don't like praying for anything. So they won't show up to prayer, right? Or or they like they, they might like the doctrine of prayer, but they just they can't stand tongues. You know why? Because their mind needs to understand what is being prayed about. But here's the deal. Tongues Bible the Bible says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Right? So why do you need to know what I'm praying about anyways? Why does your mind need to know? If 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 through tongues you're speaking to God, see lot see, it's not for you. Does that make sense? And at the end of the day, there's a rebellion because the heart and the mind of men doesn't want to submit to the word of God. So, I trust that no one here has a rebellious heart saying, I don't like that. I, don't, I, I refuse to submit to that word. And let me let me say this solemnly. You keep thinking like that and be destroyed. Because destruction will come your way. Not if. It's only a matter of when you'll be destroyed. Doesn't the Bible say there is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the ways thereof are unto what? Help me out here. What are unto what? Are unto death. Right? There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are unto death. Like this, you know, so called intellectual yesterday that was wanting to argue with me on Facebook about tithes. And and the the funny thing was he went on his Facebook thing. You know, you know, he posted a video and uh, saying, oh, you know, if you want a mature debate, this, this and that, you know, respond, respond uh, to my, my post. And I did. And all he did was he put a, a palm in his face. You know, you know what I mean? The emoji. And he says, good day, bro. Like, as if like, you're not worth my time. I'm like, what? Like, I, I rebutted what your video said and and cogently and and, and it's a lot of times people they do that stuff they dismiss because they don't want the responsibility of actually you know uh um, using the word of god and people will do this to you too right when when someone is intimidated by you right they will try to minimize you in order to save face does it make sense? You ever had that happen before you? <clears throat> well, those people are, are, are the people that you don't want to be around. Does that make sense? You have something valuable and worthy to contribute to either your job or a calling or something. And there are people that are envious and jealous of you. They'll try to minimize you and laugh it off, right? Why? Because they don't like feeling threatened. But anyways, the point that I was making about bringing him up is we need to stop uh, uh, obeying our feelings more than the word of God. 
Because if we're not careful, we, we, we will allow pride to determine for us what God is saying to us. But if your pride determines what God is saying to you, then what God are you serving? Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so, look, a little leaven leavens the lump. Just a little bit will throw your your destiny off trajectory. Does that make sense? It's like the woman that wants to get with a guy that she isn't supposed to marry. Oh, but, you know, he's handsome. Oh, this. Oh, he reads his Bible. All these stupid excuses. Okay, well, let your family be destroyed then. Go ahead. Go. Destroy your family then. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Meanwhile, while you're at it, just stop reading your Bible because you don't obey it. You, does that make sense? Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Leave the church. Do it. Just do everything you want. Do what thou wilt. Obey Satan's advice and stop acting like we want to worship God. Does that make sense? So when, you, when I press it in that conclusion, okay, go serve the devil. Worship him. And you know what? You don't have to cut a chicken's head and, and drain blood and do all that other stuff to worship the devil. You know how you worship the devil? Do what you want to do. Does that sound, does that sound accurate? Isn't that what... Uh, what Jesus was tempted to do in the, wilderness, in the garden? Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Not mine, yours. It don't feel good, right? But it needs to be done. I'm going to submit. Because let me tell you this: a refusal to submit is 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 witchcraft and it's rebellion. You know what? Let, let us actually go there. I know I said I was going to talk about end times, but I believe that God is is given a, a different direction. Okay, <clears throat> let let us let us go there in because uh, obviously God is wanting me to speak about something else, and I'd rather obey the Lord than um, um, let me see this. First Samuel chapter fifteen verse twenty three. Y'all here? First Samuel. I'm trying to help you guys out. You know, I, I sadly I've been accused of being critical and by all these Christian dwarfs. Um, I call them dwarfs because that's what they are. Um, they have no spiritual weight, and they want to um, accuse people who are doing the work of the Lord as a. And, and, and ridicule and discredit 
um, spiritual uh, teaching and ministry and men. You know why? Because it, see, let me just say this real quickly. I'm not going to go too much onto it, but you have to be very careful with people that um, get offended easily and, and particularly get offended with men of God. And the reason why is because it's one thing if you get offended with maybe someone did, you know, something offensive to you, right? They, maybe they stole you, stole something from you or they, they violated your rights or they did something to that effect and you feel offended, it's another thing when the word of God is being preached to you and you get offended with the person. Okay, now there's something in that person that is that is um it's not a good sign. Does that make sense? When I always, when I get the word of the Lord preached to me, and someone is preaching by the Lord's unction and power, I don't get offended. Even if I get cut to the heart, my heart says amen. Does that make sense? You know why? It's because I, I'm not in the flesh, but in the spirit. I obey the spirit. I pray in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. So when spiritual things are said to my spirit, my spirit says amen. But when you get dwarves that walk in the flesh, that are emotional, when they have spiritual words preached to them, what do they do? They get bent out of shape. Because, you know, they're obeying the feelings that are in there by those demonic thoughts. Demons put those thoughts in them. And then those thoughts become a feeling. And now they have a stronghold. And then if those feelings are harbored and, and nurtured and incubated, then you become demonized. Does that make sense? The, the sad and unfortunate thing is we've been taught in the church today, hey, it's just indwelling sin. No, it's not indwelling sin. There, there's no such thing as indwelling sin for the believer. Do you know that? I've already taught on this. There's no such thing as indwelling sin for the believer. You're not a sinner. All the things that said, uh, uh, everything that's said about being sinful and not righteous says to those who are under the law. But we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Does that make sense? And the reason why we do that is, well, number one, ignorance. And number two, people will feel better about themselves if it's just something in the body that is natural, right? This is just the natural instincts of humanity. I'm supposed to feel this way. Rather than to say, hey, there, there's a, a, a demon that's demonizing me. And this is why I have this perpetual lust. And I can't rid myself of perverted thoughts and fantasies because I, I was... Uh, uh, you know, let's say a guy was watching porn for three months straight and the process of demonization is happening. Now he feels lust every day. Does that make sense? Perverted thoughts. And then guess what? Preachings are coming to him saying, hey, that's indwelling sin. That's normal. That's not normal. Oh, come on, somebody. 
<coughs> See, before you can have something constructed on your foundation, an, an, an edifice built, a, a beautiful construction for your life, there's a lot of things that have to be deconstructed, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to deconstruct a lot of these ridiculous ideas that the church has, has taught you. Right? So, um, does that make sense? <clears throat> I'm not saying wrestlings don't come and, you know, you might have to, you know, pray a little more in order to do what is right. The point I'm making is this. If a man is constantly, or a woman, is constantly undressing people in, in their mind and, and have these fantasies and these intrusive thoughts of naked people and they have this strong lust they can't ever get rid of no matter how much they read their bible guess what that's not normal you can say amen to that no matter what it is these feelings of hatred feelings come from spirits Feelings don't come from flesh, you know that? The feelings that do come from the flesh is this. I got hurt. I'm in pain. That's the sort of feelings that flesh gives you. But that's not an emotional feeling. Does it make sense? It's a physical... It's You've been stimulated by... If, you know, through the body. Anyways, the second, First uh, Samuel chapter fifteen, verse uh, twenty-three, it says this: "For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry." In fact, let's let us read at beginning of verse twenty-two. <coughs> the Bible says. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Y'all hear? So, what's going on here? Um, so, I'm not going to go into all the details. But the point here is that God had anointed Saul as king. Okay? Um, and, and because the Lord, now God anointed Saul as king, not man, right? This was the Lord's ordination. This was the Lord's doing. So that is suggestive. Now, here's the thing. Later he was rejected. So that is suggestive of the fact that if you don't continue to obey the Lord, what God has promised you, 
can be forfeited. Does that make sense? What happened with Judas? Yeah, now, now, um, I think Saul's case is an interesting one. I, I'm not going to go into the specifics of Saul because I think that's a bit, it's a more, a bit complicated because there can only be one king. Then once David was anointed as king, it, it couldn't be undone. Does it make sense? Um, so Saul kind of, he couldn't regain it at that point. Let me say this. There are some things that you can regain in your life and there are other things that can't. Now, if that's a scary thought, I hope it is because it is a scary thought and it should give us reason to be concerned and cautious and to examine. Amen. Um, Judas couldn't regain his office back. Saul couldn't regain his kingship back. Now, there are other things that maybe you have forfeited and you can return. Jonah was given another chance to go to Nineveh. Right? Um, but here's the thing. Is a lot of the times people presume, presume on the mercies of God and I, I'm very thankful for the mercy of God because it is, it is uh, without mercy we wouldn't be here. But some abuse the mercy and the grace of God. Right? And others, they take it and they, they cherish the mercy and the grace of God. And they say, I, I, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to. Um, you know, some people are. Um, like Esau. The Bible describes Esau as a profane man. The reason why is because he had treated what was holy and he made it common. See, there are some people, they know they sinned against what was holy and they're remorseful, they're convicted. But Esau had no such conviction. Esau had no such remorse. He had looked at what was holy and treated it as if it was common. Does that make sense? So, nonetheless, the Bible says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? See, some of us in the body of Christ, what we do is because we can't obey God, we don't want to obey Him, we try to compensate by doing these other things as if these sacrifices over here is going to somehow make this deed over here acceptable. Right, but no matter what we do, see, ultimately God is looking for obedience, not sacrifice. Now, once you have obeyed, then 
through obedience, whatever sacrifices you offer thereafter are acceptable. But not all sacrifices are acceptable. Do you know that God won't accept just any and every sacrifice? Amen. This is why in the law of Moses, right, they couldn't accept, they couldn't offer just any lamb. In fact, let, let us, let's go there real quickly. We're going to return back to Samuel, but I want to show you something. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. We'll return back to this text. Uh, Malachi chapter 1. Are you all okay? <clears throat> Let, let's start actually at verse 6 um, my apologies chapter 1 verse 6 a son honors his father and a slave his master if I am a father, where's the honor due me? If I am a master, where's the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering me defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? So, first of all, Remember how I taught you that uh, the word, uh, excuse me one second. The word um, honor isn't disassociated with giving. Remember I taught you that? This is why the Bible says, Though the, the elders who labor in the ministry of the word are worthy of double honor, right? What And what was it speaking of in that context? It was speaking about tithes, speaking about offerings that the people of God are supposed to give to the ministerial priesthood for their service and attendance at the altar, does that make sense? This is what Paul says in uh, Corinth, I think Second Corinthians chapter nine or First Corinthians chapter nine. He says, "Don't you know that those who serve in the uh, uh, serve in the temple at the altar have a right to partake of the altar?" And then Paul says, "Do we not have a right uh, uh, to to uh, reap from you material things, having sown into you spiritual things?" And so, and he says, "The the labor is worthy of double honor." Now, the reason why I need you to understand this is because people say a lot of things with their words and they say, I honor you in my heart. But are you going to accept someone who says they love you but can't demonstrate 
or measure that love for you? Right, because words are empty until they can be proven. Does that make sense? So that if someone says they love me, it means nothing to me if it doesn't equate or doesn't result in something being done in action. Right? And so in the Hebrew, to honor means to add weight. Right? And, and weights are measurements. So my question is, how do you measure the degree to which you honor someone? Well, if we're speaking of measurements, you can't measure honor by time, nor can you measure it by distance. You can't measure it by um, um, anything else but by the metric of currency. That's how you add weight through honor is through the metric of currency. So that is to say, and I have to reteach this. That's why to honor your mother and father, remember they didn't have a welfare system. They didn't have convalescent homes back then. So that the 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 parents, when they were frail and old and couldn't work anymore, they couldn't go pull out of their 401k. You know what it meant for the children to honor the parents? meant that the children used their wealth and their currency to take care of their parents. So that if they didn't do that, that meant they were dishonorable children who didn't honor their parents. To honor Caesar is to what? Pay taxes. So that if I dishonor my government, I'm going to evade taxes and keep that money for myself and say, you keep building me roads, you keep uh, educating the, uh, uh, the the masses by public school, you keep offering all these services, but I won't pay you anything. Is that honor? No. So, so anyways, so coming back to this, God is saying you're dishonoring me because, yeah, you're offering offerings, but what, what is he saying? They're defiled. Does that make sense? So in other words, the offerings that you are offering to me, I'm not saying that you're not offering anything. God isn't saying that you're not offering anything. But he's saying the offerings that you're offering, they're defiled. Look at it again. Verse 7, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animal, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I won't accept no offering from your hands. My hand will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. <coughs> Does that make sense? 
And then let's let's keep reading. It says, verse 12, But you profane it by saying, The Lord's table is defiled, and its food is contemptible. And you say, What a burden! And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So you know what he's saying? My name is to be feared among the nations, but when you're doing that, you're not actually fearing or bringing reverence to my name. You're st- you are telling the pagans that I am not a king worth serving. Does that make sense? Wow. <clears throat> this is why I posted on my Facebook. I said, you know, people, they, they, they serve their barber they honor their barber or barista more than they honor God. They'll pay 40 bucks or 50 bucks for a haircut to look all nice, but they put change in the offerings. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you just you just died for me. You just you just shed your blood. Here's here's some change. Oh, but man, look at my barber. He did a good job, man. Here's a tip. Here's a $20 tip. You see what's going on here? <coughs> and you know what? God didn't even accept those sacrifices. You know what? He, he said, it's worthless fires on my altar. So you know there's a lot of churches today they're singing and God isn't pleased. He said they're and he, his response is these are worthless fires on my altar. You know what? Like this corrupt wicked uh uh episcopal church uh here in my city with their gay flags. You know, I've been praying about those wicked uh synagogues of Satan. And thankfully, they went in debt. They're $40,000 in debt. And so their so-called ministry is coming, tumbling down. It's a good thing. I'm glad. Why? Because we don't need, we don't need uh, uh, these so-called churches that are affirming transgenderism. Does it make sense? People say that's not Christ-like. Oh, so what did Jesus do when he flipped over tables in the temple? And he had a whip. Do you think he made a whip just for a scare tactic, or do you think he was actually using it? Come on, somebody. What do you think? What do you think Jesus did in 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 uh, uh, in seventy A.D. When he destroyed the Jews' temple. God did that. God destroyed it. You know why? Because it was an indication of God's judgment upon Jerusalem. God's judgment upon that old priesthood. God's judgment upon the Jews. 
And so the, those who believed were those who were saved by faith because they believed that judgment was pending and that judgment was going to come to Jerusalem. And this is why Jesus wept. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as hand gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. He says, now it's hidden from your sights. He says, and your army shall surround you. What armies were them? What was he referring to? He was referring to the Roman army. Now, it would interest you to know this, that it, I believe it's in Isaiah, God referred to the Assyrians as his rod. Because the Assyrians were to come against the people of God. Or it might have been the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the Egyptians. I can't recall exactly at this point. But God was to uh, uh, destroy or bring judgment upon unbelieving Israel in ancient times prior to Jesus. And he referred to the army as his rod. Now, when it comes to Rome, when it comes to Rome, right, God was going to use Rome as his rod of iron. This is why in Psalm chapter 2 it says, uh, 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 Why do the heathen uh, plot in vain? Uh, for God will hold them in derision. Right? And he says they plot a vain thing. He says, But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He says he will rule them. He will dash them to pieces with the rod of iron. It would interest you to know that in the book of Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, there was the gold, the bronze, you know. And what was at the end? Anybody remember? What material? It was iron. And what did iron signify? It signified Rome. Right? Yeah, clay and iron. But it signified Rome. And so... When, when Psalm 2 is predicting the dashing of Jerusalem by a rod of iron, by Jesus' rod of iron. Who was that rod of iron? It was Rome. And so Rome slaughtered one million Jews. But that's all to say this. That's just, you know, a bit of... Um, just FYI. <coughs> I, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, so when God brought judgment upon Jerusalem, okay, he well, Jesus says in Matthew 24, not one stone will be left upon another. Right? So Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that he made. And so, so that is to say this. If God destroyed Jerusalem by fire, and fire signifies judgment, or if Jesus went into the temple over flipping tables, um, why is it a, is a, why do we marvel when, when, for example, I say that there's a so-called church in my city that affirms transgenderism, and God hates th that church? Does that make sense? You you can't affirm castrating children and transgenderism and all that is wicked and abominable and then condemns people to hell and think that Jesus is going to give them a pass in the name of mercy. 
or in the name of kindness. Does it make sense? Does it mean that they can't come to salvation if they repent? No, that doesn't mean that. Yes, mercy is available, but to the humble and the believing. If they would just believe and just humble themselves and say, I, I turn from my wicked ways, I don't want to do this. God will gladly receive them through Christ. Amen? But for those, those that are proud, that are stubborn, or stout of heart, that are arrogant, God resists. So it doesn't matter how wicked your life has been. You know, what was it? Um, I believe it was Ahab in uh, the Chronicles. It might have been in the Kings. He had sacrificed children to Molech. Or I forgot which king. Don't quote me on it. But I know a king, he did horrendous things. He had offered children unto Molech through the fire and all this stuff. And he humbled himself and repented. And God relented of the wrath that he was going to put upon him. So that is to say that the mercy of God is great, but the key that unlocks that mercy is humility. A broken and contrite heart, what does it say in Psalm 51? That God cannot, that he will not deny. But that's what God is looking for is brokenness and humility. I, I have turned aside. I've become wicked. I've done evil. Oh God, I plead for your mercy. I humble myself. I will do what you want me to do. I am sorry. I am remorseful. I rent my garments, so to speak, in anguish and contrition. And he will freely and gladly receive you and all of heaven will rejoice. So when you hear of judgment and all that stuff, it doesn't mean that that's God's plan A. God is just waiting for an opportunity to kill these people. No, he, he, he is patient and he, he, he wants to relent of, of wrath and that is his last resort. But don't be mistaken that it is still a resort nevertheless. And, and the thing that stops the hand of judgment is the mercies of God that are unlocked by humility and repentance. Amen. <clears throat> what does it say? That the humble shall receive grace, right? It says, uh, 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 humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. It says, for God gives grace to the humble, but the proud he resists. So, <coughs> excuse me. You all right? So what's going on here in Malachi? They're offering blemished sacrifices. See, you know, people... <sighs> you know, I remember in the world, you know, there, there was times where guys who didn't have enough money they get like a, a like a, a rip twenty dollar bill or a rip ten dollar bill, and they put it in the stack if they're trying to buy drugs to jip the person because they knew that 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 dollar is no longer good. It's is defected, right? Um, or maybe it's 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 a a, a fraudulent a, a, a dollar. Right, you can't use that. 
And so just because God, just because you say, oh, I'm going to give this to God, doesn't mean that God is going to accept it. Does that make sense? I, I think, I, I forgot, it might have been a couple years back, but I think, uh, I, I can't remember the details exactly, but my, my, uh, my old homeboy, he got out of prison <clears throat> and he said, uh, and I think he had like drug money like from before he got locked up that he wanted to like tithe me. And I said, no, I'm not going to receive. You can keep that, dude. I'm not going to receive that. Um, why? Because that, that money's, that money's tainted. I don't want that. And so now what, what, what's going on here? You know, the scary thing. See, the scary thing isn't that God would command for giving and offering, right? And that you would have less in your bank account in that moment. The scary thing is when God won't refuse, won't accept your offering. Does it make sense? See, we never think about it in the reversal. We're always thinking about, oh man, you know, my bills, oh this. But how about you think about it in the reversal? What what if God didn't re- accept your offering? Said no, I this is a this is blemish. I refuse. Right. So, <clears throat> well, I refused to receive tithes from that man. Why? Because he's he's blemished. The money's tainted. It's corrupt. Remember, remember uh, what, uh, anyways, I'll, I'll drop it there. But look, now, they weren't reverencing God. They were becoming lukewarm. And so they, they were just giving God whatever. Blind animals, you know. Uh, and and the the reality is this. It's like this. Think of it this way: Would you receive a cake from the hands of Hitler? No. Just just because something's a gift doesn't mean that it's it, you you should receive it, right? Even if it's a valuable gift, depending on whose hands bring it to you. And what the gift is will determine whether you should receive it or not. Amen. Remember in the book of Acts when the sorcerer who acted like he... Well, he did believe the gospel at the preaching of Philip. And then when James, when uh, John and Peter had come... He said what? And they seen that uh, uh, Peter imparted to them the, the Holy Ghost to those in Samaria after the preaching. So by the way, that, that is, indicates that salvation isn't the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because Philip had gone to Samaria in Acts 8. They believed the gospel and had demons cast out of them. And then it wasn't until John and Peter had come to lay hands on them to impart the Spirit then they began to speak in tongues. So salvation is not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. After you get saved, you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
and 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 should you should be speaking in tongues because if you don't speak in tongues and regularly you won't be able to live a life full of power but anyways the source the the guy who believed the gospel who still was in the gall of bitterness who was practicing sorcery he said this he's he offered them money he says give me this power that i also may impart lay my hands on them and they will receive the power of the holy spirit what did Peter say? He says, your money perish with you. For you thought that the gift of God can be purchased by money. Right? And so, anyways, <clears throat> the point is this, is, is obedience is better than sacrifice. And it don't matter if you try to give to God, Right? And I'm saying sacrifice is bad, but but if you try to give to God on your terms or how you want to, or or you're leaving these weightier matters undone, and you think you can compensate by doing this over here, this good deed, it it doesn't matter. God at the end of the day wants you to obey. Um, it, it's kind of like a kid that you know your children you tell them to do something and then they didn't do it they didn't do it but they will try to make up for it for something else that they want to do so they sacrifice in this area and they said but I did I did this for you yeah, but I told you to do that. Right? Does that make sense? <coughs> so here's here's two extremes. Either people say that all you need to do is obey and you don't have to sacrifice or people try to make up for their disobedience through sacrifice because you have your people out there that want to do the bare minimum why well, I'm not sleeping around I'm not fornicating I, I, I'm not uh, I'm not watching porn I'm not getting drunk yeah, but what are you sacrificing for God? You're just always trying to get away with the bare minimum. You just, okay, I checked that box off. I checked that box off. I'm good. Right? You have those people. God bless you. Welcome, brother. <clears throat> And then you'll have the people who, I mean, they'll sacrifice all day long. They'll, they'll, even, they'll even be willing to pray with you two hours, right? But they're still fornicating. <laughs> Does it make sense? Or they, they, will, they will even pay tithes and offerings, right? But they're they're a drunkard. 
No, that should not be so. See, the Lord wants us to obey. So going back to First uh, Samuel chapter 15. See, let me encourage your hearts because I, I know sometimes people can hear this word obey and it's like a, a cuss word to Christians. You have, you have to understand that behind obedience is a blessing from the Lord. This is why, you know, Moses said, Choose you this day uh, whom you shall, who you shall serve. He, said, he says, I, I set before you this day blessings and cursings. Right? Disobedience brings cursings. But obedience brings blessings. Like I was telling my wife last night, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really think about my, my, my past too often. When I was a baby in Christ, I did. And, and uh, it's good to revisit it. But after you've gotten a lot of mileage in the Lord, you're, you're preoccupied with all the miraculous that He's doing today. You know, it's like those rappers. All they rap about is what they used to do. It's like, oh, I understand, you just came to Christ, amen. But it's 10 years later, you're still talking about how you used to roll, roll on them 20s and, you know, cut the cocaine. And But Jesus, it's like, come on, man. What is God doing for you now? That's all you have to talk about 10 years later? I think you just kind of want to glorify that stuff. That's why you can't ever get past that topic. Does that make sense? <clears throat> because you love the whole persona and you love the whole image and you just you just gotta let people know what you used to do right I mean I used to just push X amount of kilos and you, 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 you take about two and a half minutes to say that in your song three minutes and about the last 30 minutes oh but Jesus saved me oh okay that's what this is But anyways, I don't I don't really think about my past. But you know, a couple of days ago I was thinking about it. I was like, "Wow, Lord, like I'm I'm glad that you saved me because um you brought blessings to my life. You you made my life a life of beauty. You made my life a life of glory. And, and I'm looking at, you know, not to make myself feel better about myself, but just to give an occasion to thank God, I'm looking at some of my friends who unfortunately and sadly I had led into drugs and their lives are filled with curses. Some are dead, some went insane in their mind, some lived, you know, served long terms in prison, some are there for the rest of their lives. And... But here I am, blessed of the Lord, living a life of peace and joy. I don't have to live with paranoia anymore. I don't have to live with uh, terror that I'm going to spend a lot of time in prison or, or die and go to hell. Does that make sense? Amen. And so, 
but I chose blessings. I chose the Lord. I chose to obey Him. Now salvation came first before obedience. Just like the Israelites were delivered before they were given the law. They were delivered, then they worshipped in the wilderness. Moses says, deliver deliver God's people so that we may worship. So first came deliverance, then came worship, then came obedience through the law. And it's in that order. It's not obedience to get delivered. It's get delivered, worship, and obey. Does that make sense? But the Lord delivered me. And then came an obedient life that wrought blessings for me. But unfortunately, some people, they choose death and they choose curses. But my encouragement to you is this. That behind obedience is blessing. Behind obedience is is a sure reward behind obedience there's you're not obeying in vain does that make sense you're never obeying in vain you're never laboring in the lord in vain you're never sacrificing in vain and it will compensate it will pay off hallelujah it says god is not unjust to forget your labor of love that you have ministered unto the saints Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But when we choose to disobey, we bring a lot of pain into our life. And it brings a lot of regret. It brings a lot of heartache. Do you hear me, brothers and sisters? Amen. That brother might look good. That sister might look uh, beautiful. But the end thereof is as bitter as wormwood. I like what uh, one minister said one time. <laughs> it just always stuck with me. I like to say it time to time. He's six foot and five, but he ain't got no spine. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) He's six foot and five. He ain't got no spine. (laughs) Um. But the point, though, in that is to say, the spine, I want to say, is the word of God and that man obeying it. Right? Don't don't mean you have to be some muscle-bound, huge guy. It means a man of integrity and righteousness that whose life is determined by the word of the Lord. That's a real man. Amen? And uh, so, but let's let's read it again. It says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? So the Lord does delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. Don't get me don't don't get me wrong. It's saying as much as obeying the Lord. This is why Jesus says he told the Pharisees, "You tithe tent and uh, 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 mint and cumin, but you have left the weightier matters of the law undone." 
He says you should have obeyed the weightier without. He says he. Uh, he says you should have obeyed the former without neglecting the latter. Right. So God wants both. And now there are weightier matters. There are some that is more important than God. This is why the whole notion of sin is sin is just false. It's not true. Does sin displease God? Yes. But does God look at every sin the same? No, he doesn't. So you, I, I keep telling this because we keep hearing this broken record today in the body of Christ and it's just false. The reality is this. God doesn't look at pedophilia the, at petty theft the same way he looks at murder or, or pedophilia. Do you see that? There are sev more severe consequences for certain sins against others. You cannot say that Abraham lying out of fear right, is the same thing as offering your child through the fire unto Molech. Do you see what I'm saying? Amen. So, <clears throat> it says, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, or witchcraft. So, I know people don't really believe this, but, like, really, to... Not just think of it as a concept, but to really embrace it as a conviction. For God to say that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, it means that they're equally as severe. So, you know, imagine conjuring demons, you know, chanting spells, throwing curses, right? Drawing pentagrams, summoning the devil. God is saying that is... That is, to me, that is on par with rebellion. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Amen. We, we, we are living in a, a very rebellious generation. You know... At work, these—it's a—it's a sad, sad reality. But there's a lot of students that are very, 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 very rebellious and very disrespectful. Um, without going into the details of all that these kids do, some of these things that these middle schoolers and the elementary school students do shock me. I'm like. Well, how, how are you doing that at this age? You know, um, but um, we, need, we, we need to not go the route of the wicked. Amen? <clears throat> you know, it's like, uh, <clears throat> you guys ever seen those guys on like YouTube or Facebook? To me, they're just clowns. Their jokes, who they they uh they love to provoke officers, and like 
what they do is they they stay within their rights, right? I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, where where they'll say uh, badge number, uh, 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 badge number, or name, please. Like they're demanding from the cops, um, as if like you know, speaking to them like they're they're children, and uh, they're just they're 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 like, how can I describe it? Um, yeah, yeah, they they'll say you know like a cop says, "What's your name?" They'll say, "I don't have to give it to you." So what's your where's your idea? I, I, I I'm not gonna give it to you. You know what's your name and badge number. And and so it's just this rebellion, and the provocateurs. Does that make sense? They're pasty flies that that show contempt for law enforcement. You guys know what I'm saying. That's not right. Even if you have the right to not hand over your ID, if you didn't do anything wrong, hand it over. So y'all can both have a nice day. You get what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. And yet, but what what happens? The the guy is so proud. He wants to he wants to dig his heels in the ground and for two to three hours call your chief, call him, call the FBI, call who you need to call, and I'll stand right here. Right? Was that showing to me is the guy don't got a life? Because you don't got things to go, uh, things to do, places to go, people to see. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I remember I was working with this guy. His name was Daryl. He's kind of like the typical white man from the South. And he had like a little, you know, white beard. And he was a man with his gun. He's one of them guys. And, And, well, he was training me on the bus. He's all, hurry up. Uh, I got people to see, places to go, things to do. <laughs> yeah, like no tolerance for nonsense. I remember driving with him, and then he's just like, you know, he's an older man, like 70 years old, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and people will make dumb choices on the road. He's all, moron. Gosh, people. <laughs> and he puts his hands on his hips. Moron. Gosh, these people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He was funny. <laughs> but the point that I'm making... <coughs> <coughs> Rebellion is 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 senseless. Um, rebellion leads to senselessness. Does that make sense? Um, <clears throat> and and you know, see, witchcraft. It's not just voodoo. It's not just spells and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Witchcraft. That is a portion of witchcraft. Don't get me wrong. But the whole the whole um, <clears throat> nature of witchcraft seeks to control, right? So 
you know, someone trying to lead you out of the will of God is witchcraft. Amen. <clears throat> See, this is this is why I, I'm I'm very careful to be as prayerful as I am, and and to stick to this right here, no matter what it says, because. I refuse to 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 uh, to promote a will to the people other than God's will. Does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> because people, when they don't keep this book front and center, when they don't keep this book front and center, and they reveal the mind of God from this book and say, "This is what the Word of the Lord says," brothers or sister. Right, what what men can do is pastors they can do is they will lead people uh, uh, around them based off their personality or hype. This is why I said on my Facebook, if your pastor listens to TD Jakes, it's about time you find another church. Why? Because oh, so uh, TD Jakes is has uh, demon worship in the church yoga. Right? <clears throat> so how can how can pure water come from an in, how can impure water come from a pure source? It doesn't work that way. So if demon worship is being introduced into the church, and do not be mistaken, just because these middle-aged uh, 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 Caucasian women want to make it seem all nice, me and the girls are going out to get some do some yoga, right? It don't mean it ain't demon worship. You get what I'm saying? They just make it look nice. You know, we just bought this yoga mat at Target. Us and the girls are going to go do some yoga and get some wine afterward. <laughs> so, I'm not trying to be insulting, but that's just the image that comes to my mind when I when I think of yoga. Right? It's It's demon worship. Right? It's demon worship. So, um, it's just that we, we, it's like the devil. Right? We, we, we've made the devil into a cartoon with a pitchfork and horns. But we're not allowing the masses know that it looks like a, an attractive male model that wants you to sleep with them. Doesn't the devil masquerade himself as an angel of light? See, imagery changes the th the way that we view evil. Amen. So, you know, just because it's been modernized and westernized, this eastern occult and eastern witchcraft, just because we've westernized it and made it palatable, palatable doesn't mean that it's any that the sting of that witchcraft is any less dangerous. Amen. <clears throat> so you got T.D. Jakes, right? And then he, he also can't speak up when it comes to homosexuality. 
He's like Jello. You can't pin him down to anything. They ask him, so what do you think about? Oh well, you know. So it, it, it's it's people who can't keep the Bible front and center. They can't keep the scriptures front and center. And what they do is they just want to lead more people on uh, around them based off their personality rather than the Word of God. And so that's why people. So you know. A lot of pastors like that may not be doing voodoo per se, but whenever they're they're teaching or or what they're they're practicing is leading people out of the will of God, in effect, it is witchcraft. Because the nature of it is to control. And and let me say this, God is not into controlling you. See, God Desires your voluntary submission. Does that make sense? Amen. God desires your voluntary and willing submission. <coughs> um. And here's the thing about God, he he won't he won't control you. He will convict you. But he won't control you. And uh but see the devil wants to control you. He don't care if you want to or if you don't want to. He's an intruder, he's an invader and he'll try to find some way to to get you to do what he wants you to do. Or he's even fine getting you to do what you want to do as long as what you want to do isn't what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? So we have to be careful to do what the Lord wants us to do. Um, <clears throat> but for rebellion, it's like the sin of divination. It's like the sin of witchcraft. Um Let me say this. You have to be very careful with with um, you have to be very careful with with people that um, I've said this before, but I want I want to say this again. Whose words are always smooth as butter. Um, people whose words are smooth as butter who never tell you anything wrong um, normally are the most deceitful and they want something from you but they just won't tell you what it is I'm not saying someone who's kind genuinely kind you know and, and they love the Lord I'm saying people that Normally, when people won't tell you what you need to know or what you should know, stuff like that, is because they have thing they have hidden motives. They 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 want something from you, and and so they need to be viewed as far. They need to be. They can't afford to be viewed as a threat. Because they know that if they if you view them as a threat, your guard will come up and you'll you'll shut down. So they have to tell you what you want to hear, 
what you want to uh, know and all these different things so that your guard can come down so that they can actually exploit you. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Um, so let's go to actually Psalm 55 I want to show you something We'll be closing here shortly. Psalm 55 verse 12. <clears throat> it says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, uh, my companion, <clears throat> My close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshippers. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. Um, go to verse 20. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter. Yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Do you see that? What is David saying here? That there was a guy who had, he had something in common with. Oh, they both went to church. Right? They both sang worship songs together. Or whatever. You went is someone you went to go get coffee with. Right? And you got things in common, right? And all you have is a good time. But it it says, meanwhile, while all that is going on, with all this smooth talk that's like butter, there's war in that individual's heart. And their words are drawn swords. Does that make sense? So, um, <clears throat> see, notice though, smooth. What, what does it say again? His words are more soothing than oil. So the words that these people are offering you are always very soothing. Let me ask you this question. Do you like being soothed? Let's say, you, you know, you work 10 hours on a long day of work. Come home. It was a hot day. And then you, then you get to just take a warm bath. Oh, so soothing. Right? You ever had that? Or, you know, had a long day, 
<clears throat> and maybe you got a massage. It's like, oh man, this is so soothing. It's pleasurable. See, when I'm not saying that there's ever uh, it's wrong to offer words of comfort and stuff like that, but the point that I'm trying to make is that you have to be careful with with people that offer smooth words, right? And that won't ever uh, tell you the truth. They only tell you what you want to hear. See, what I've learned is when, when people want to do something that is off, right? A lot of times they gather for themselves counselors that tell them that will only affirm what they want to hear. Does that make sense? It's kind of like the kings, the wicked kings in the Old Testament. They, they would they invite certain people as counselors but reject the other people because they didn't want to hear certain things. Right? <clears throat> Let's go to one other verse. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And then uh, this will be the final verse. Well, verse 15 through 16. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what do we see there? So notice, notice the purposes for the Word of God. I want you to take a look at that real quick. What is it used for? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Now let me ask you this question. Does correcting, correction feel good? Does training feel good? Does rebuke feel good? Now teaching... Maybe, maybe not. You're right. It doesn't necessarily have any hurtful connotations associated with the word. But notice how it doesn't say here the scripture is useful for soothing. Do you see that? Doesn't the Bible say that the time will come when men won't endure sound doctrine? Sound doctrine is of such a nature that it necessitates endurance. In other words, when sound doctrine goes forth, there is something that you need to draw from God to help you to endure. Amen? Now, let me ask you this question. If someone were to go to T.D. Jakes' church or Joel Olstein's or Mike Todd's, do you think that there will be much endurance needed? I, I, well, I mean, for me, there, I would need to endure it. <laughs> but the average person that's going there, do you think they need to endure it? No. Why? Because they're being told soothing things. Hype things. Emotional things. Right? Amen? 
So, Amen. <clears throat> let the word of the Lord bring correction to your life. Um, let it let it shape you, and don't rebel against His word. Don't refuse to submit to His word. Um, see (coughs) when we when we when we refuse to listen to the Lord we grieve his heart you know God he's he's a He's a personality. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he's grieved if, if we don't listen. Right? And and the Lord has done so much for us. He, is, he has loved us. He has given his life for us. The Bible says that since he has died, that we should henceforth no longer live unto ourselves, but unto him. Right? He has redeemed us. He has purchased us. He has shed his blood for our sins. So now, you because you are now belonging unto Him, you have no will of your own. You have no right of your own. You you are here at the uh, the Master's bidding. Does it make sense? He's delivered you from Satan, in order that you may freely worship God in freedom and joy and peace. Amen. Does it make sense? See, and the Lord's correcting of you is His receiving of you. I'm sorry. I, I know I, I said the last verse, but look look at Hebrews 12 real quick. <clears throat> you know, it was sad because, you know, we, me and my wife were coming home. It was kind of later at night. And there's just this little girl outside. No shoes on. By herself. And we don't live in the best neighborhood. And. Unsupervised. It's like. She's going to get kidnapped. You know. And well, anyways, we're hearing from her house like this music, just trash music being played. Playing the... And by the way, I, I, I believe I believe God wants me to say this right now because I feel the prompting. Turn the worldly trash off. Stop playing that junk. It is garbage. Especially, you know, especially this new stuff coming out. Don't play that junk, that garbage. You're entertaining spirits. And you're hearing a doctrine being promoted to you that God hates. But it was sad to me, this this precious little girl, she's probably like three years old, four years old. Well, maybe like four years old. <clears throat> and I hear from the house all this trash rap music being played. And I'm like, man, the girls don't have a chance. 
She don't, she don't have a chance. She's going to grow up like another low life, sadly, because the odds are so against her, right? And her life will be worthless. Not in the sense as a human being, but the life she makes for herself because of how she was raised will be worthless. If you don't think what I'm saying is biblical, Romans 3 says this. Their ways have, it says, uh, their lives have together become worthless. That's what it says in Romans 3. So if you don't think what I'm saying is biblical, go check Romans 3. I'm being inconsistent with, uh, in keeping with the scriptures. Your life can become worthless because God says that. Um, but nevertheless, the, the point though is even though I wanted, like because my heart goes out to little kids, I can't, I can't correct her. You know what I'm saying? I can't say anything to her. That's not my daughter. Does that make sense? I would, I, I. I have a heart that would love to be able to help kids and steer them in the right direction, hence why I'm working in education. But I'm limited. I'm not raising her. But now I say that because this, you're being raised of the Lord. So he is correcting you. He's correcting myself. So let's read this. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> what does it say? In your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as fa uh, as a father addresses his son. Or and have you completely forgotten this word? So let me ask you this, my brothers and sisters. Have you completely forgotten this word that addresses you as a son or a daughter? Have you forgotten it? Or or is when, when you're corrected, do you get so discouraged that like, you're like, oh, I'm condemned. I'm going to hell. No, 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 no. That's not what correction is about. Correction is, I'm receiving you as a son. I'm receiving you as a daughter. And because I love you, I therefore chasten you. I therefore correct. I therefore rebuke so that you may go in the right direction. Because I love you. I've, I've shed my blood for you. I've purchased you. You're my own. You're bought by me. You're not the devils anymore. You're my daughter. You're my son. Does it make sense? And what does it say? It says, my son or my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. So guess what? You have God recognizes that you have the proclivity to lose heart when he rebukes you. Like, man, I can't, I can't do anything right. Why even try anymore? No. Don't lose heart. He says, don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Yeah, Jesus did rebuke Peter. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. You know, the word discipline is derived from the word mathetes. It's where we get the Greek word, where we get the English word disciple. So, to be a disciple means to be a disciplined one. 
Dis disciplined in the teachings of Christ. <clears throat> so he loves you. And it says he chastens everyone he accepts as a, as his son. So are you being chastened? Are you being disciplined? Are you being rebuked or corrected? The Lord is receiving you as a son or daughter. Isn't that an encouragement? And it's that encouragement that, that God doesn't want you to lose sight of. He doesn't want you to forget that word of encouragement. In verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. So when hard times comes, he says, receive that as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. <clears throat> Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our own good in, that, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. So do you hear that? So God is allowing discipline to occur in our lives for the purpose to cultivate the life of holiness in you. Does that make sense? And what's encouraging is that God is recognizing and in letting you know, hey, I know that this is painful. I'm, it's not as if God is correcting you and saying, hey, you shouldn't be crying. Hey, this shouldn't hurt you. Then that would only make you feel worse. But God is acknowledging and letting you know, hey, this, this discipline, it's painful. But if you allow it to grow you, it will yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness. It will yield a harvest that will bring not only righteousness, but peace. I remember, um, you know, at work, there was these kids every single day. They, were, <laughs> they would lose time on recess and lunch. Recess and lunch, and you know, they would they would lose a, a lot of time, and I and they would always have to tell them go right there on the tree, stay there for twenty minutes or however long, and I'd talk to them like, man, don't you ever get tired of this? Like every day, you're get you're running in conflict with your teacher, you're running in conflict with the staff. Don't you just get tired of it? You know, one day one of the students said, who always got in trouble, he's like, yeah, I didn't get time today. I was like, well, that's that peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's that peaceful harvest. Now you got peace because you don't have to be breathed down on the neck being told what to do all the time. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Right? Because if you're constantly being told, don't do it, do it this way, don't do it that way, hey, this is what you should do, it, isn't that kind of difficult? Don't you want the peace to be able to avoid that micromanagement? Right? So, then what is the solution? The solution is, okay, the first time I hear it, I'm going to do it. 
Does that make sense? So, but it yields a, a, a harvest of peace, right? Because when we're corrected with the words, the word of the Lord, it's supposed to bring blessing and it's supposed to bring wholeness. It's supposed to bring harmony to our lives, order, right? But disobedience to the word of the Lord brings chaos, brings cursing, brings hurt, brings pain, brings disorder, brings shame. <clears throat> so, the Lord is receiving you as a son and as a daughter. And he's a good father. And he wants to make sure that your life is conformed to his image. Last night, I was telling my son... <clears throat> I forgot what I called stupid. I was like, oh, I said, because uh, we're talking about, I don't know, how we're, I don't know how the topic got brought up. Yeah, gangs. I said, gangs are stupid. They're the devil. And then my son said, you can't say that. I said, no, I can say that, son. And, and I, I appreciate that he said that because, you know, <clears throat> what I told him was this. I said, you can call certain people stupid. And you can call certain things stupid. Right? So if someone's in the gangs, I can say that person is stupid. And I can say it to their face, and I won't feel convicted about it. Why? Because they're stupid. <laughs> See, what God condemns isn't calling someone stupid or foolish. Because even Paul called the Corinthian church foolish. He says, you fools. What God condemns is calling a wise man a fool. Or things that are good, stupid. Do you see the difference? God says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. Does that make sense? But because we become so soft and, and, and uh, you know, become like doughboy, we, we, can't, we can't hear those things or we can't say those things. We think it's bad. Right? Amen. <clears throat> y'all, y'all ain't following. So, um, if someone's stupid, they're stupid. What am I gonna say? No, you're you're wise. No, I'm not gonna say that. No, you're a fool. You're stupid. Grow up. You know, you're a brood of viper. You're a child of the devil. That's what John said. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. And, and, and I'm not going to allow the people of our modern time who really don't read their Bibles uh, to try to tell me what Jesus will say because they don't like what I say. When I see all these men of God in the scripture say the exact opposite of what they're saying, I can't say. Right? But anyways... The point, though, was I was educating my son. No, son, you can call somebody stupid and something stupid if it's stupid. And the, the point that I was making in that is, look, but don't dare call in a wise man a, a something good. Don't ever assign bad words to that. I'm not saying he can cuss, but I'm saying don't ever call a wise man a fool. 
that is that's wrong right it's bad so um <clears throat> but I, I was thankful for the fact that we're we're able to educate our son to I'm, I'm, I'm fathering my son and I told him I said son there's a lot of people there's a lot of children that wish you, you wish they had what you have right there's a lot of children out there that are not being fathered that need to be fathered does that make sense so in closing let us let us be thankful unto the Lord that he is our father and that we're being fathered by him and we're being taught by him correctly amen so as I as I close out <clears throat> 